Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, that was weak. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many is thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Amen. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. All of three of these pastors here, all of them said, Hey, Brother Gossage, no pressure tonight. Well, okay. <laughs> My Lord, I feel kind of awkward right now because Brother Romine gets up here and he says what he had to say. And I thought, ooh, he's... That knucklehead's getting in my strawberry patch right now. I leaned over to Brother McKee and I said, stop him right now. He didn't stop him and he, he led us. Thank you, Brother Romine. And then Brother McKee, not to be left out, he says his thing. And I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable. Like It's almost like, hey, let's go eat. Because we have already felt the presence of God. And that there is enough Holy Ghost in here to change a life forever. So with all that said, I want to just say this. If at any point in this preaching that you feel to get out and worship, do it. You're not going to bother me. If you feel to run to the altar, you need to go ahead and do it. That ain't going to bother me. If you feel to do whatever you got to do, let's be apostolic in the house and do it. Hallelujah. My Lord Jesus, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Come on, somebody, are you praying right now? Let the Holy Ghost move in this place. We're not in a hurry, are we? Come on, in the name of Jesus, move. Do your good work right now, we pray right now. Jesus, Lord, touch every heart and mind. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, my Lord, come on. I'm not going to stop you. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I was being very silly. I mean, no disrespect. Amen. I give honor to these three great men to my right. Amen. Of course, Brother Chauncey Romine, I've known you for a lot of years. Pray that you don't tell everything you know, okay? All right, right here. All right. Amen. I honor him. I honor the legacy of his father that's clearly on you, brother. I thought of your dad just a minute ago. You've got that. You've got it. He'd be very proud of you. Amen. And, of course, Brother McKee, I've known of him for many years. In fact, I met him years ago, and I'm happy that our circles are crossing again. God bless you, Brother McKee. I connect with you. Thank you. Brother Biddle, we share a daughter. Amen. But I want to say I honor you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for everything that you do. This is a man of, all three of them are men of God, but Brother Biddle has a special place in my heart. Amen. He don't know it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to tell it. 
Amen. Unless you have some food or money. Amen. When a time I was really irritated about something in ministry, the man of God just made it clear that he was my friend, and that's what I needed. And so I honor you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your pulpit to preach in this great church. I'm excited what God is doing for Breaking Bread Apostolic Church. Amen. Amen. I'm really, I'm really, I I have a word, I feel. Amen. And everything that we have sang and heard already, I feel like it's going to be leftover hash with you. I don't know, but I'm going to preach whatever I can, and God will shut me up. But I'm asking you to put away your tape measure, as it were. Don't expect me to try to hit something out of the ballpark, as you know. Amen. But we want the word of God. honor to, amen, Brother Eric, Sister Bree Barkley, that's my kids too, amen, we love them so much, and Bicky, nobody knows, you can put two and two together, I've got lengthy reading, amen, but I'm going to shorten it up, Brother Soundman, I know that it's already been told to you that I like to read scripture, it doesn't hurt anybody, does it? However, I want to, I, I promise you, you're going to leave here going, that was a simple message, but I'm telling you, it is right on what we've heard. I'm telling you, there is, there is a witness of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. So if you leave here the same way, I promise you, that's nobody's fault but yours. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Amen. I give honor to all the wives as well. God bless you of these great men. Amen. I guess I'll put my glasses on. Mark chapter 10. I'll be in Mark chapter 10, Mark 5, and Luke 17, but I will endeavor not to wear you out, I promise. Familiar portion, all three of these scripture texts. The first one, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, I will be in in the sermon. But I just want to hit you on verse 49. To set the table, Bartimaeus, that blind man, had heard about Jesus. And he was coming around where he was at because he couldn't get to him. And so the Bible says in verse 49, And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he casteth away his garment, rose, came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight, followed Jesus in the way. Mark chapter 5. We know this story. It's been preached about a million and two times in our pulpits. 
about the woman with an issue of blood. The Bible says as the crowds were following Jesus while he was heading to heal, raise up Jairus' daughter who was, for all intents and purposes, dead on arrival. He was heading that way, but as the crowd was clamoring for Jesus, there was a woman, as we know. Verse 30. No, pardon me. Verse 27. And when she had heard of Jesus, came into the press behind, touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she fell in her body, and she was healed of that plague. Now notice this, verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned and in, 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 in everything, he stopped. He turned him in about the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Chapter 17 of book of the book of Luke. Verse 11, And then it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers that stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, you can read in other uh, translations, I did not bring them, I like King James. They say, several of them, that Jesus stopped. And he said, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Skipping down to 17. One returned. Jesus answered, said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Verse 19, I draw your attention. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, see the difference, hath made thee whole. I want to preach to you by the help of the Lord what stops the move of God. I said it. You might think I'm blasphemous, but there are some things that stops the very moving of God. Would you put your Bibles down and help me pray that God would move in this place right now? Come on, in the name of Jesus. Let the Holy Ghost move, I pray. God, anoint every word that's been said in Jesus' name. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you don't withhold anything from us. Let us have exactly what you want us to have. We thank you for the moving. God, mold and make every word that needs to be said. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. What stops the move of God? You can be seated. There are many laws that govern the world in which we live in. Some of them are easily seen in our everyday lives, such as the civil laws and the government laws and even criminal laws that we could, of course, we could talk about right now, but I won't do that, that govern our country and our world, and it's supposed to make it an orderly place, at least a sane place to live. 
laws, these natural laws are important. In fact, this whole creation was governed or is governed by laws. There are things called natural laws, laws of physics, science, and mathematics that are very truly powerful because why they are unchangeable. They govern a vast part of our existence. These unchanging, all-powerful natural laws govern every facet of our lives. For example... The first law of thermodynamics, which states that energy is never dissipated. Just stick with me. This is not a science class right now. But it is constantly transformed by heat or work. Or how about the law of finding the slope of a line? This is algebra, brothers and sisters. And I'm about ready to get into some really bad, ugly stuff right now. Well... You that are, are heathen, you know all about algebra. Y equals MX plus B. I'm sorry, but I believe algebra is nothing more than the devil's play toy. If algebra was a person, he's 10 foot tall and he pushes me down all the time in the alley. I hate algebra. And every time when I was in class, I always tried to come up with the answer to this law, Y plus MX plus B and all that other junk. And Brother Biddle, I would never come across the right answer. And therein is exactly what I want to try to deliver to you right now. That many times that we try to come up with our own answer to laws that are unchanging. No matter how much I try to make that answer work, it doesn't change because you didn't follow the law. And that it seems today that there, no matter how much I try to do things, there are just some things. I would to God that I would go to bed tonight and I'd lose a hundred pounds. I would love to have a full head of hair again to go like this when I'm preaching. Those laws are not going to happen for me in that. Thank you for laughing because I'm telling you right now, there are just some things that will not change. One of the most simplistic and powerful of the laws that I want to bring to your attention right now is called Isaac's Newton, Isaac Newton's Law of Motion. And it states that a natural moving object cannot be stopped in its course of movement unless an intervention takes place or until something else interrupts the process. And then therefore, when we begin to consider that right there, we can begin to see what God was doing in these scriptures right now. He started in the book of Genesis all the way through to right now. No wonder in the Bible it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And this is what I want to get to. And the Spirit of God moved. I want somebody to know that there is a God that you serve that is always in perpetual motion. He is not a stationary God. He is not somebody that you can lock up and put in a corner. He's not something that that you can put in a place to where he won't move because nothing can stop a moving God when he is moving. Yeah. He is not a stationary God. We immediately see within the Bible that God is a God of motion. 
and he's a God of action. From creation to his earthly ministry, there were no idleness in him, no inaction, no invariableness. Through his moving energy of deity and light, God set into motion everything that exists today. From the revolutions of the planets, he spoke them to the smallest operations of the tiniest living organisms on earth. All of creation moves under the power of life that God gave to, including mankind. We, brothers and sisters and friends today, are beings created by God that frame the universe by his voice. He keeps existence aloft by his word, and he keeps it ordered by his law. If I can make this fact personal to you, when one of his people, when I began to just sit there and hear Brother Roman and Brother McKee begin to speak, I began to just go over and God began, and I don't say that in a, in a uh, physical way, but I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost that began to tap my shoulder and said, hey, I want to speak to somebody today. If somebody would just stop listening to the wrong voice, I, who is always moving, wants to move on a situation if we'll just let this moving God move. Sit down. Thank you. Let me preach. We are beings created that framed everything. When his people are in trouble, come on, somebody. There's nothing like, I try to tell people that don't know it, when people don't have the Holy Ghost and people that we're working with, you know you've done it too. When we begin to go, I don't know what happens when this thing is happening. I don't know and all this. And all I say is what they sang. Just speak Jesus. Just say it. Because when you say the name of Jesus, it seems like all heaven takes notice. And this God that's always moving says, get out of my way, Gabriel. Get out of my way, Michael. I'm going to move on my child because my name has been invoked. My name has been called. That's your God today. That is your God today. He is a moving God. He is not stationary today. I don't know about you, but in times of stress, he is close as a mention of his name. I know we've said it umpteen times, but I like what Brother McKee said. This poor little darling fell down in the house of God. I do believe that there was probably a lot of people moving. But I do believe there's a lot of names of Jesus being invoked. And here she is tonight. That's what's supposed to happen. When you call on the name of Jesus, you can be driving down on the road and somebody's on the phone and they're about ready to hit you and you can say, Jesus, and all of a sudden the car will move out of the way. I know when there needs somebody needs a healing or just a little sniffles that need touched, you can say, Jesus, touch them right now. I promise you, I promise you, I'm not preaching something so deep today that you can't grasp this. You need to understand that your God has been trying to get our attention he is trying to let us know that I'm still God and I sit on the throne and I'm high and lifted up and you don't have to wait and take second to anybody because he's a moving God he's a moving God somebody say it to your neighbor he's a moving God I like what Acts chapter 17 and 28 says. 
For in him we live. For in him we move. For in him we have our being. He is a God, I say again, that is ready to move whenever we'll let him. He's just got to be let. He's a God that never sleeps. He's always awake. He's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient, means he's all-knowing. He sits at the beginning and the ending all at the same time. He's all of this. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's Jesus, God wrapped in flesh. Also didn't waste a minute when he walked in ministry because when he was doing it, he was always purposeful. In his action and his ministry. Come on, somebody. Jesus is ready to move. So therefore, Jesus had the ability and the power. Because again, I say he was God wrapped in flesh. He read about it. Go ahead. If you haven't already in your studies, read that Jesus was never idle in his ministry, Brother Biddle. He always had something to do. He always had somewhere to go. Even when the the pseudo-religiosity, I know that's not a word. I say it a lot at Point of Hope. They just laugh. That say, we don't know who this Jesus is. He's all over the place. And the Bible even said, because it was even alluded to already, that sometimes even this moving Jesus came to places and because of their unbelief, Jesus had to move on. So I want to preach at the outset of what's going on. This moving God can actually stop by the house today and if we don't catch his attention, he is liable to move on to the next person that's calling on his name. I don't want him to leave me. I don't want him to pass me by. Jesus have mercy. My God, come on, let's take a minute and talk to God. And it seems as though God can never be stopped. You see, the devil tried to stop him at Calvary. Didn't stop him. Tried to stop what God was doing in the garden. Didn't stop it because he had a plan. You see, God tried to stop all of this kingdom mindset that God, even though it wasn't God's will, Solomon, David, all these men that went on that served God as kings. Not everybody did, but those especially like Solomon and David. The the devil tried to stop it, but God moved. You see, he moved on the heart of the unbelief. He moved on the heart of the sinner. He moves and he's still moving today. I believe, brothers and sisters, that we are in the last days. I believe that we are actually seeing what we've been reading about for years and years. If you that's been growing up in church, I believe that we're actually seeing what we've been reading about and preaching about for a lot of decades and almost centuries. Jesus is coming back. And that just reminds me again, he's not just waiting up there for things to get better. He's going to come in the midst when it gets the hottest. He's going to come in the, and that's what he'll do for you. He'll come in the midst when it's hot. Lord, let me get to this sermon, Lord. I want you to preach. 
So I have just preached to you for this last 15 minutes about an unstoppable, unshakable, nothing can stop this moving, powerful, amazing, whatever adjective that you can throw on there, I don't have the words. This amazing God that you and I serve. But the Holy Ghost began to minister to me a few months and years ago. And it brought to my attention that God, while I was praying, God, sometimes, and i got to be honest, sometimes, God, when I pray, it seems like you move so slow. And I'm not going to speak to that. I'll let your pastor tell you more about it. But I'll tell you, if I was at home, I would say sometimes God has to move slow so he can back us in. Not push us in, but back us in to the promise. Because sometimes if we actually knew what God was doing in his movingness... If we actually knew, we'd say, no, God, no, God, no, God, no, God, no, God, no. No, I don't want. But he has to turn us around. He's got to get us to a place that we have to look on him. And he says, look on me. Brother McKee, stand up. He does this right now. Instead of pushing him, he turns it around. And he says, watch me. Keep your eyes on me. He's moving. You see, you can't figure it out. But I promise you, he's moving. He's not letting you go. He's just doing it a different way than you thought he was. But he's still moving. But I began to see service or uh, uh, scripture. And I felt God speak to me a few years ago when I said, God, I don't know what you're doing. Why aren't you moving? I'm living for you. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. It was a few short months ago that I came back to this understanding when I lost my only brother. He died. Two minutes before we started our service on a Sunday. I had been fasting and praying. I didn't, I didn't mean to even talk about this. I had been fasting and praying for him for years. My only brother. I get the call. I'll spare you all the details. Said your brother's dead. And I thought, God... What happened to all those prayers? What happened to all that? Am I in somebody's house today? What happened to all those things that you gave me a word? And Jeremiah 18 began to chase that thought away. And he begins to speak, at what instant will I speak to the nation of Israel? He says it again, two verses. He says, at what instant and the Holy Ghost began to talk to me and minister to me as I'm driving to where he lay in his home he said you don't know what I did in an instant Somebody needs to get a hold of this. You're trying to frame God with your old ethereal, limited understanding. You see, like the song says, even when you don't see him. Even when you can't perceive him. 
Even when you don't know what he's doing, he's working. I would to God that somebody be encouraged right now that even though you don't know what he's doing with your own understanding, I promise you that this moving God is moving. So I began to look at the word this past years, a few years ago. And God began to speak. I know you've got great faith, but there are some things that stop me. I said, Lord, that's blasphemous. I felt like Peter when he saw the sheep come down. Lord, when the words of the Lord said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, not so, Lord. No, I won't do that. You see, I'm holding on to that law that we got back from Moses. Mm, no. You've come for the lost sheep of Israel. No. Until the knock came. And God said, there's going to be fellas down there. And I'm putting them on vernacular. My apologies. I'm so sorry. They're going to knock on the door. And what I want you to do is I want you to go with them. Because I want to catch you. I want to change what you think about me. You see, they were upset. Peter and John and all those fellas at that point. The church was growing, but their ministries weren't going. The church wasn't growing as they thought they were. Now, you can look and we can interpret and we can, we can debate and all of those things. But in some circles, especially in the Jewish circles, they started holding on to the law. And so God said, well, it's time for the Gentiles. And we know the story in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius, a Gentile from the Italian band, had been praying and fasting. And see, when they thought God's not moving over here, I guess, God was actually moving over here for a greater revival than what Peter thought. Do you hear what I'm saying? You may be looking at one way on how God is going to work, but God is doing something greater. He's doing a Gentile work over here that you can't count. But there is some things that stops the move of God. And so I just want to teach and preach. Am I going too long? I didn't bring my watch because, well, I forgot it. Honey, tell me if I'm preaching too long. How long do you want me to stop preaching? Are you sure? Oh, mm-mm. Should I ask somebody? No, no. I'm hungry too. So when I began to look at these scriptures, I found only three places, Brother Carl Biddle, that God actually stopped in his moving. And so I began to look at it, and I want to share it with you. I'm going to preach and teach a little bit too. Is that all right? We're home folk. We're family. And so we read. I took from three different texts. I began to see, oh God, would to God that you would show me what it is that causes you to stand still. Because there are some things when human need exceeds our faith and our hope, it can arrest his attention altogether while he's moving. You can actually, I'm not going to preach this. This will preach. You can actually change the law of God. 
Before you go, I don't believe it. Well, he did it. He did it when the prophet prayed for the son to turn back. God said, you're in good standing, boy. Let me do it for you. He changed it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This God is not bound by law. You can see this greater thing I'm trying to deliver to you by the help of the Lord. He's not bound by your little. He said, don't you know I'm not bound by anything that you've put in stone. Do you know that I am God? I am high and I sit low. At my name, every knee will bow. You will cast your crown. What makes you think that I won't stop moving? When somebody else calls on me. And so I began to read. What is the instance? I know you're going, shut up and preach, would you? I'm going to tell you something. The first instance was found in Mark chapter 10 with blind Bartimaeus. I wonder how long blind Bartimaeus sat there by the side of the road begging. I wonder how many times was he's going, somebody help me, somebody help me, somebody help me, and people would walk by. I wonder how many times does his faith, Brother Romine, go up and down, and he wondered, oh, I'm just trying to get a little help here. Somebody would help me, and no one would help him. And the Bible says, you ready? In verse 49, Brother Soundman, if you want to pull it up, if you want. The Bible says in verse 49, while he was moving, the Bible says, when blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that he stopped and he turned to the blind man. I want to help somebody today. The first way you can stop God is this. When you want your garment changed. Because Jesus said, and isn't this interesting? That Jesus said something kind of funny to a blind man. Almost kind of cruel. If I did this, people would go, that's terrible. They would. To the blind man, hey boy, I'm stopped, I'm here, why don't you come to me? Now I want you to see this. Here, Jesus was on his way. Blind Bartimaeus stopped Jesus in his tracks. He came 90% of the way. And then he finally said to Bartimaeus, hey, Why don't you come to me? It's like. Seems kind of cruel that Jesus came all the way to make him have a buy-in to his own miracle. He said, rise. And the Bible says, without any hesitation, he threw off his garment You know what that means in parallel typology? It means he threw off the thing that defined him in his past life because things Sister Biddle was beginning was beginning to change. 
And so blind Bartimaeus said, I don't care. I'll come to the voice. Because all you really need is to hear the voice anyways. And the Bible says he threw off his garment, the thing that that defined him. He threw off his garment and he came to Jesus. And the Bible says that he was healed immediately and he could see. I would to God that somebody would hear me right now. If you want God to move on your situation and it seems like that he's so busy with all of creation that he can't stop, why don't you go ahead and scream out his name and he'll ask you if you're going to get a healing you've got to have somebody it's not in my notes I just feel the Holy Ghost right here that somebody needs to hear this that God will never it feels like it feels like I'm not going to say never behind the pulpit but it feels like in all of the knowledge that I understand which is about this big that God never 100% do something without somebody else the person he was touching would do something too well there that is but he also said when he came to bring out that old dead Lazarus he said now Martha was upset you know the story Jesus Lazarus your friend is dead and and he would have been he would have been alive if you would have been here You would have stopped moving a while. He said, no, no, no. Martha, he's going to live again. Because I've stopped now. And now you have my attention. Come on. He said, take And she said, oh, and I don't want to go into all that. It's too long. Oh, I know he's going to live in a resurrection. He said, no, 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 no. He's going to live right now. And he said, take me to where he's at. And they went to the tomb. And the Bible says when he got to the tomb, he didn't just say Lazarus. The first thing he said to him, hey, you all, roll away the stone. Because sometimes you're going to have to bend your back in prayer and fasting before God can speak into the deadness of your situation. When you say, God, stop, and he says it, don't expect him to do a miracle that you're not going to have to have some part in. you got to have a skin in the game. God is wanting somebody to see you. I don't just heal just because I'm a healer. you got to believe me, and you got to follow me. I digress. I digress, but somebody needs to hear me. The blind man had to come to him, and he threw off his garment. He will come only so far. Notice with me again. He rose, and he cast off. If you want God to move, you can't live the same old way that you've been living. When pastor says, Hey, I want you to think about some things with regards to holiness and righteousness. It's not my place to talk about this. I'm not talking about it, but you understand on some level, on some level, what I'm talking about. Holiness and righteousness and living for God. In other words, you don't get to live for God on what, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Sundays. 
and expect everything to be all right when you live like a dirty dog heathen the other days. No, you got to change your garment. So I preach to you the first thing that you need to do is you need, when you want God to stop and move on your situation, you got to be so willing to change your garments. Second, te- I got to move on. I got to move on. I've already preached a while. The second thing we find is in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. We know the story. It was the woman with an issue of blood. This woman, what did it mean with an issue of blood? Bible scholars tell us that she was a constant hemorrhaging of her blood originating from her female area. I know there's kids here, but... I just need to just tell you the ability to be able to procreate and to be able to be productive was gone. Now think about typology real quick. I'm not trying to paint a picture for our little kids. But think about it. We can get so steeped in sin that we feel like everything is fighting against us. Our health, our jobs. Our families, our relationships. It feels like we've got a hemorrhaging and we're not productive and things are not reproducing in blessing. It seems, come on, it seems like our prayers hit the ceiling and it's brass and it rains down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it feels like. We pray and God doesn't do anything because we're hemorrhaging and it all centered around the blood. And if I was at point of hope, I'm not, but I feel like I got some point of hope people here. Point of hope people, that's why you need to get a blood transfusion. This ain't in my notes, but I'll go right back to it. Pastors, please correct me after I'm gone. But I'm going to tell you, the issue with blood... If you've got this, what's happening, then what you need is the blood of Jesus. No, 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 no. You need to get some repentance working so the blood can transfuse into your situation. So this woman said, I heard Jesus. I've tried every doctor. I've tried everything that I could do, and here it is. I hear Jesus. I hear the clamoring of noise, and theologians tell us that she was at her wit's end and at the end. The scriptures tell us that she had came to a point that she was going, I've got nothing else. And sometimes God has to allow us to hit rock bottom. I know this ain't deep, but sometimes he's got to let us hit rock bottom before we can actually start seeing what the real answer is because we try everything else and so she said I made up my mind looks like he's moving somewhere and I'm going to take my chance and the Bible tells us that this woman and here's the second thing when you're desperate enough to do whatever it takes that's when you can stop God because the Bible says that she and it colorizes that this woman didn't just because the crowd was so pressed. And we understand that even in a crowd, not everybody's in the core. We got a lot of mouth breathers. Oh, come on. Don't act like that. 
We got a lot of people. I'm not talking literally. We got a lot of people that love to watch other people worship. Sister Ray, a lot of people, they look at others and they watch them worship and they think, why don't I have that? You know why? Because all you're willing to do is just be in the crowd. Jesus is right there. But this woman, the Bible says, was going to help me because I might not get up. You look pretty strong. The Bible says, you'll get some of my pain. Bible says, uh, read between the lines, that she contorted herself. Help me out. She contorted herself. And she reached. She said, I don't have to get his hands. Because we pray for his hands. Lord, I want you to, I want you to do put your hands on this situation. She didn't try to glance off his face because we love, we want the face of God because it means the favor of God. She said, I don't need all that. I'm too desperate. I just need just a little bit, just a script, just a... And she, I'm going to tell you, that's how much God has power to do whatever you need if you're desperate enough, there's more power in the wake of God. There's more power in the after effect of, of God moving than there is in all the power of hell and your situation. Stand with me. You just got to get desperate enough to reach and touch him. Come on, pray right now. I preached so long. You can be seated. The Bible says because she was willing to change herself. You ready? And her position. I've seen people. My God, how long? I preached a long time. I'm so sorry. If you have to work tomorrow, I'm sorry. But sometimes we have to change our position. Sometimes we have to change our schedule. Sometimes we've got to be willing to change our posture and our position on things. Because some people do this. I don't think you can. So why do I? I'm 51. I'm an old dude. I'm raising a two-year-old. She's back there. She wanted to preach. She wanted to read the text. And I said, no, Livy. I'm kidding. And I've been telling her a little bit when it's just me and her. Mommy, you probably heard me about the engine that could. The little engine. Excuse me. He said, I think I can. I think it can. Somebody needs to start telling yourself, change your posture. Change your position because you've tried everything else. I think it can. Somebody, somebody asked me, 
I'm getting ready to go into a situation. Well, I just did. I just I told them as their pastor, I said, well, whatever you do, take every step and every step that you take towards that situation, say in the name of Jesus. And I said, in other words, you're telling God, I thank you again. I thank you again. I thank you again. I think, and I'm telling you, before long, I promise you, what your desperation will make God do is stop in his tracks. And I would to God, would you get this simple message? And now, the ten lepers. I'm hastening to a close. Music, would you come? I'm going to give them some hope. The Bible says, when God told the woman, thy faith hath made thee whole. Luke 17, when the ten lepers came, we know the story. Ten lepers, Brother Barclay, were healed. That's not where the sermon lies. The sermon lies, Brother O'Malley. In the one that came back. Some of us, sister, are so, we're so finite that we think God does this. This happened, this happened, this happened only use the name or call on him when we're desperate. Sometimes, you know, you can call on him even when you're not. I've got an 84-year-old mother. She loves to tell me. She said, oh, my washer didn't work. I know you've heard this before, but I'm telling you, she does this. She lives this. She's a pistol, but I promise you, she'll go in there and she'll anoint that washer and dryer in Jesus' name. And I said, that's all right, Mom, because you don't have to be desperate because God can give you a new washer-dryer or He can heal that one. So what I'm saying, you don't have to be desperate. You just have to, you just have to be invested. Stand with me. God doesn't want to just heal somebody. God doesn't just want to touch you in your need. God wants to do the story as I said is not in the ten but it was the one that came back and he said this they all got a healing and I'm paraphrasing they all got a healing they did what I told them to do they went to the high priest and all of that they followed the law and frankly they got what the law gave them a healing and we don't hear anything else about them. But there's one that said, wait a minute. There's something about this Christ. And the Bible says that he came back. And I know this is not deep. But I want somebody to hear me. Desperation will stop the move of God. Your desire to get rid of your garment and change into a new life will stop the move of God. But I preach to every apostolic-filled, spirit-filled person right now. Sometimes it's when you and I want more than just the average mundane experience of Pentecost. Really, there's no mundane average, right, in Pentecost? But can I just be honest? Maybe it's just me. 
that's in the Gossage house, we live in the world. We walk on, we're flesh. We go through things. You're a pastor. I'm telling you. We're human. And what God doesn't want to do to us, saint of God, is to just heal you. He wants to get in and make you whole. What's that mean, Brother Gossage? I'll tell you, deliver you from some past hurt. He wants to get in your heart's neighborhood and chase out all the unfriendly spiritual neighbors like lying and deceit and cheating and hurt and brokenness. He wants to get into that closet of your heart and clean out the cobwebs of bitterness because he wants to make us whole. And I know we've worshipped. My God, we've worshipped. We felt God. But are you good enough with just a healing? Or have you come needing a wholeness to happen? Aren't you tired, whoever this is for, aren't you tired of feeling God in such a way but by the time you leave the building in your home church, feels like the devil's already attacked. You know why? Because we're good with healings. And God said, I don't want to do that no more. this in my life and my family the last few months I don't want to tell the story but I've been going through a lot and I've been needing God and this word get in my heart and I'm saying God you got to stop a minute you got to stop Because I don't want to just be healed. I don't want to just get over this. And I have felt, I promise you, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I have felt it feels like the brokenness that God, he's taken these pieces and I've been putting it together. And I'm feeling God put the brokenness into wholeness again. I don't know what brokenness you have, but this altar's open for somebody. Have the courage to come and say, I don't want the average and the mundane. This unshakable, unstopping God is ready to stop on your behalf if you come. Would you sing? Would you play?